Today is Sunday, June 20th, which means that it is Father's Day, which is a lot of fun. Now, Justin, I was thinking about this. There are some good and bad video game dads. And I was curious who your favorite video game daddy is. Excuse me. You said daddy. Video game dad. <laughs> who's your favorite those daddy? those are different. <laughs> those are very different. Um, so who's your, <laughs> what a way to start the episode. Uh, who is your favorite video game dad? And I guess if you feel so inclined, daddy, but uh, you just you can stick to the first assignment. Uh, I, I think, uh, again, this is just going to be stressing the importance of you playing God of War. Kratos, mm-hmm. pr- pretty pretty A plus dad, minus some of the stuff. Is he? Yeah. Okay, because here's the thing. I so I obviously haven't played it, but like my knowledge of Kratos is like to me, from what I know about the man, not great dad material. But is that different in the in and, the and reboot? That that is what makes that God of War so good because it goes from it just being you know Kratos like a Kratos that I didn't care about screaming about calliope or whatever it is that he's saying yeah and then yeah. like used being used to that but then it like fatherhood changed him and he's still like not a perfect dad and i think like being able to like empathize with kratos over fatherhood is a strange connection um but hmm. like all those like boy memes and stuff like he keeps calling uh his son boy the whole time um and it seems like kind of like demeaning but like they do some good stuff with it you should play that game soon i know i'll get to it i will i will uh you know it's interesting i think there's been a recent trend in gaming about being a dad and going and saving your child or daughter or whoever uh you you have games like obviously the last of us first one is i mean you're just a, you're just a dad doing his best. And then you have God of War as well. You have games like um, Bioshock Infinite, uh, spo- which hey, spoilers for Bioshock Infinite. Uh, you're the dad trying to save your daughter. Um, Does it count me, though, if you don't know it? <laughs> well, you don't know it until the end. Yeah, right. But it's kind of <laughs> like it's this, it's it's the same sort of role where like she is not, uh, you know, she's much younger than you, and you are still saving her. You know what I'm trying to say? Like it's a similar kind of like thing. But to me, uh, the best gaming dad bar none is Lee Everett. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. That guy's a good dad. He does a lot of stuff for Clementine. And, um, and, and I think, I think the, I think he's a good, see, I think he's a good dad in the fact that, um, the choices that you have to make with him about being a parent, uh, they're like not bad choices. And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is like, I personally think that Joel is like one of the best dad characters, even though what he does is like horrible for his daughter. Um, yeah. And I think one of the reasons why at the end of the last of us, I was never like upset with Joel's decision to lie to Ellie and like save her because mm-hmm. if I was a father, that's like what it, I would yeah. do. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, not like I would do anything to protect my family, and uh, I, that's why even though what Joel did could be considered a bad thing, I always think, yeah, well, this this is the relationship he knows. This is the relationship he can count on. He's going to protect her no matter what. Right. Um. What I what I appreciate about The Walking Dead though, yeah, is because it's such a it's such a choice based game. Every choice that you make, I think, is 
like there is this, well, how is this going to affect Clementine? Yep. Like whether or not that is like super upfront uh, in, in terms of the choices or like, you know, in the background about like, you know, she might not be directly involved in this conflict or whatever, but at the end of the day, protecting her is what like that whole game is about. Yeah, so I think, it, I think it's a, it's yeah. protecting her and it's also like preparing her in like a strange way. Like yeah, that yeah. last, the last scene, spoiler alert for this game, for the love of God, like when he's, you know, bitten and like kind of like coaching her through shooting him and like yeah. getting ready for that. Like that, that like that's such a, a big moment. And that's what I mean. Like the, the choice, like that's, that's the choice. Like I think most people would agree the good dad would want to do like to train their, their, their daughter to be ready for what comes next and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not doing something like, you know, uh, stealing her, doing what she asked you not to do and preventing a cure for this disease and everything but i think that (laughs) i think that's a really 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 strong answer though in the walking dead have you played the sequels i've only played the first one so i played the walking dead one then two and i played three three is by far the weakest uh i heard that the final season the fourth one is really good but i kind of feel like i would have to go back and play them all to play that one to like really get it i may be wrong but um because i believe uh clementine so the spoilers you said you played the second one like the first sequel i you know i i just played the uh the walking dead one and then i played the stories uh expansion or whatever oh, it was it, the it. 13 or tw- whatever that expansion was got it um well in the second one a, a character has a baby and Clementine sort of ends up with it. Um, I believe, weirdly enough, it might be named JJ, which is what Dina and Ellie's baby's named in Last of Us Part Two. Uh, unimportant, but uh, that second one is you get you end up with this baby. In the third one, you don't play as Clementine; you play as some random guy, um, and she comes into the story because she needs supplies for this now like toddler and then the third one is she is a parent because she is older and now the, the baby is like five six seven years old and she's got to teach him how to live in the world uh, which might have some interesting parallels to uh that first season which is just in my opinion one of the best games i've played maybe ever i i remember playing that as a kid and being like this is actually this is pretty special <laughs> but yeah that was just right i think when like storytelling in video games is being something that i actually started caring about um, cause yeah. that was the same time uh, I might be corrected here. I mean, last of us came out pretty close to that, didn't it? So if last of us came out in 2013, walking dead season one came out in 2012. So yeah, it was like right around then. Yeah. And I definitely played a last of us first. And I think last of us was such an important game for me because I felt like that was one of the few, the, the first games that I really experienced that, um, story was 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 first gameplay was good but mm-hmm. not like the the focus of that and it was a beautiful game high quality game and then going to the walking dead and and playing that and like just enjoying that story um i think the thing that keeps me from going back to play the walking dead more is that the gameplay to me is just ain't fun to me yes it's interesting when you're choosing the conversations and stuff but like in between that when it's just like slowly walk around a farm it's like, <laughs> <laughs> But um, it's a good game. It's Hitbox.
to Hitbox episode 47. I know you might be a little confused, but Peter, there were four episodes between 46 and 47. Well, uh, those were uh, a quadrilogy of E3 episodes, and we're back. Uh, E3 happened. We had a good time. If you're interested in, in our coverage there, there are four uh, wonderful episodes of varying lengths that you can dip into if you feel so inclined but uh we're not talking about e3 today we might dip into it a little bit i, I do um, want to talk shop really quick just for like the, the people yeah. out there waiting for our like century mark for that hundredth episode celebration that we are gonna have uh does does the e3 coverage is that going to be our episode 47 uh or is it like episode four just like a rant like is this what episode is this is what i need to know this is episode 47 those those were like sub episodes. Let's call them forty six point one point two point three point four. And got now it. we are have arrived at um, forty seven. I think in like in the RSS feed, it is not listed. It's like it doesn't have an episode number. So if you are potentially confused by that, uh, depending on where you are listening to it, that is why. Uh, but that's because I didn't want to commit to those having numbers and like just messing up our own like internal. Uh, monitoring of what episode number we're on. Yes, yep. this is episode 47. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Peter Hunspitek, and joining me as always is my wonderful friend, Justin Makovich. What's going on? How are you? How I'm are do- things? I'm doing excellent. I, I think the it's... Because we haven't necessarily talked about what we've been playing in like the past two weeks. We we're so focused on all the new stuff with E3. I've been playing just a lot of yep. video games, uh, and I have been very happy to do that. Uh, and there are, you know... I gotta say, there's some damn good video games in the world, and the yeah. fact that uh, it's hard to play all the good ones, uh, I think that's a great problem. <laughs> 100% agree. So, what have you been getting into? So, uh, the initial thing was, I was thinking, before Ratchet and Clank, what was the game I was going to play? Uh, and I started to actually play Judgment, because I want to mm-hmm. beat it before the new one comes out, because I was like, if it's anything like Like a Dragon, I'm going to definitely want to play it. Uh, so I'm about uh, 12 hours into it, uh, and that game, I I, <laughs> I think this game, even though it's not necessarily connected directly to the Yakuza series, like it's like a spinoff in the same world, I can imagine yeah. like if, if I ever want to go back and play all the Yakuza games, I don't think I can ever do that because these games are oddly similar to each other. Sure. Just in terms of like what the format is, like even though the battle system from Like a Dragon to Judgment is very different from each other... Uh, Everything else is the same. The running around the town, the doing your side quests, your objectives, your everything like that. And I think Judgment is a little bit different because you're, you're kind of like the the character you're playing is essentially he used to be a lawyer. Um, he defended someone uh, who was who a later uh, got off and then killed um, someone. And then you've kind of like fallen off in disgrace because of that. So instead of being a lawyer, you become a private investigator who kind of goes around and does the cases that no one else wants to. And usually these cases involve you getting into random fisticuff battles with people because not only were you a lawyer, you're apparently really good at Taekwondo or whatever the heck they're fighting with. Okay, <laughs> so, sure. Um, so the game itself is, is a very similar setup, uh, but it is kind of cool because a lot of the stuff that you're doing um, is trying to gather information and making uh, making uh, 
conclusions about what happened in a case. For example, uh, one of the main story quests that kind of felt like a side quest, uh, you had to, you got to your office and everyone was upset because someone ate the special cake that this person brought in the night before. And the morning came and nothing was there. And you and and that person is mad and you have to find out who took the cake. Uh, so then you go around talking to people, looking for evidence, and you can make the wrong conclusion, even though it's pretty obvious what the right conclusion is if you get the the um, evidence. And what, what, what it turns out with that one is that the power went out overnight and someone had to clean out the fridge in the morning, so they threw the cake away. They didn't eat it because the fridge was out, but... <laughs> Sure. Okay. Uh, so that that's like kind of like the the game at its best. The game at its worst is uh, you have like following missions where which happen way too frequently, where you're trying to to tail someone to a location, um, and it basically yeah, okay. uh, involves you walking way too slow and trying to hide when they randomly turn around. And the combat is uh, more traditionally what a yakuza uh, combat is, and it's a not very good just third person brawler kind of thing. <laughs> Okay, and I, I do feel like the like a dragon is is was the perfect place for me to get on board because I never felt like these sure. side battles were were waste of my time. I always felt like you know you're leveling up your characters using different classes and things like that that just made it better. So unfortunately, like as much as I love like a dragon, judgment is just okay for me. Um, hmm. I, this might be something I, I have on my, uh, my system and, and play like an hour of every couple of weeks, but it's definitely not grabbing me, um, as much as, uh, like a dragon did. So it's, it's there, it's fun, but I was pissed because I had purchased the PS4 version on a sale for like 20 bucks a couple months ago. Yeah. And then they just came out with the PS5 version, but that's not a free upgrade. Oh dang it! Right. That sucks. So yeah, I so basically I'm playing the PS4 version of PS5 just like I did with like a dragon, but it, it just the confusion about the what is an upgrade, what's not an upgrade is just another like slam dunk on Xbox for making it so easy for gamers. And oh yeah, it's funny because. I think part of the reason that Microsoft doesn't get more credit for that is because it's so just like logical in most people's heads that they don't get bonus points for having it. It only hurts Sony when they don't have it because it's like, well, right. why, this is so obvious. Like you can just transfer over the game or whatever. Um, and and to be honest, I think that's why uh, I I don't have any plans on playing uh, the new Final Fantasy game or the Final Fantasy VII integrate thing on. Yeah on my uh, PS5 or anything because my save for my PS4 won't transfer over. Is that true? Yeah, so basically I can get the free PS5 upgrade, but my save doesn't transfer over. So because of oh. that, I, I like I like to me I was th- I was like this is the perfect opportunity. I can do that second hard playthrough of Final Fantasy 7, play the new story, get the platinum, which is if I do, if that's my mindset, I think it would be an achievable platinum. It'd be harder than just an average one, but like I could do yeah. it. But now I have no no hope or no uh, motivation to kind of go back and platinum it because of that. Even though I love that game a lot, um, so. Right. But anyway, uh, Judgment, uh, you can get it pretty cheap um, for PS4, I guess. Uh, so I recommend if you do like the Yakuza series to play it, but just if you loved. Uh, like a dragon or you haven't played like a dragon um if you have game pass play like a dragon that would be my recommendation for judgment (laughs) yeah that makes sense that makes sense 
Uh, I've been dipping into, uh, I've continued with Mass Effect 2. It's gotten to that point where, like, I obviously, I really like it, but there are so many crew members who need these side missions that, like, I have taken a major break from doing any sort of story stuff because I got so, I got burned so bad in Mass Effect 1, or by, like, mainlining the story, hoping to go back to those side missions, that it just, like, I have been doing so many side missions and they're usually pretty cool and the cast is is i like just about everyone in uh, it uh, kind of going with mass effect 2 uh because like there are so many cast members and by the way mass effect 3 is a much more short uh not short focused experience with your with your crewmates like you don't have this yeah. many like it's almost ridiculous how many options you have in mass effect 2 um and that's why people yes. love it but also it can be a lot of intimidating thing but um, definitely uh, do what you're doing. Trust me on this one. Do the side quest. Do not push the main story um, unless you have to. Um, because mm-hmm. uh, just trust me. Do this. You, you, it, it might seem like you're not doing stuff like towards the main mission, but you are. So you're doing you're doing it right. Well, I know that like you have to have everyone like be loyal to or not everyone, but like you want more people loyal to you than not for that final mission. And you want to be upgrading your ship and and doing all that sort of stuff, which I've been doing. Um, It's just that it sometimes feels like a grind or a chore with these characters that it's like, I don't. Uh, okay. And 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 two of them, by the way, are in the Legendary Edition, I think, are DLC characters. So. Am I wrong? Yeah, just tell me what they are. There's Kasumi, who's like a thief, who her side mission is you go to like a fancy party, space party, and you have to steal stuff. And then this other guy named like Vahen or something, and he's like a giant douchebag who's constantly telling you about all of his old war stories. And it's just like, I never I never bring him out because he's always like, this reminds me of the time that I single-handedly killed four children. And it's like, dude, what is wrong with you? Uh, so Kasumi and Zaid are the ones, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, they are. I just double-checked. And the reason I didn't know that was because when I played them for the PS3 version, they were just included in that. Um, And Mm -hmm. I did play... I've only played Mass Effect 2 and 3 with all the DLC and stuff like that. And specifically going to 3, that's the way to play it. So, yeah. At this point, who are your favorite characters? Like, I think because you get to meet most of the cast in this one. So who do you like? Who do you hate? Tell me all that stuff. Give me that drama. Um, it's interesting because I like just about everyone. I think the most interesting characters to me are uh, Samara. She's the Turian, not Turian. She's the Asari. I think she's a matriarch or she she is like an important. Oh, she's a Jessicar, which means she's like an Asari who's like been blessed with all these like basically she has the force basically. I You know, it's interesting. I don't love Garrus. I, he has a really cool intro in this game where like you're going up against a sniper and he's constantly picking these people off. And like, you are trying like the whole time you're trying to recruit him, but you don't know who he is. And then when it's revealed that it's him, you're like, Oh, Hey. And he's like, Hey, what's going on? <laughs> uh, but I find, I find him to be like, he's, he feels like a renegade character kind of too, where he's like, takes bad people to do good things. And it's like, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, uh, <laughs> I don't think you got to kill people the way that you're doing it. But, um, I do think part of his character is like enhanced if you're Femshep because I just feel like he's more awkward in that relationship is I think where a mm-hmm. lot of people are endeared to him. Are you playing as male Shep? Yeah, because I, I thought about doing it because apparently the voice actor, the first actress is um, she's really good. Uh, Jennifer Hale. Yes. Uh, she, uh, I've, I've heard, has gives a great performance in Mass Effect, potentially better than the guy. But like for me trying to 
roleplay this as myself, I, I mean, there's nothing, I'm not saying I can't relate to a woman, obviously I can, but like trying to make those choices as myself, I would prefer to do it as a man, if that makes any sort of sense. Yeah, and for me uh, personally, the, uh, the, what I, I played this, you know, when I was much younger and I, I played the, the, the male Shep and I was like debating, should I play the femme Shep this time to just get that side of the story? But part of this for me, it's been a really fun, like trip down memory lane. So like I wanted, sure. I wanted to repeat and like fix, kill Ashley, you know, the stuff that I wish I did the first time. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so like, like, like going back and like doing that kind of stuff. So um, that, that's why I chose the male shop. And to me, like his awkward, uh, stiff performance is part of the charm to his character. And yeah, once you get to the third DLC, like there's some stuff in there that is just so awesome about making fun of, of the shepherds. And I'm sure the same thing would happen for Fem Shep too. But, um, mm-hmm. some of the DLC in the third one is, is some of the best bioware writing in terms of just being self-aware of what's happening um so yeah. you'll you'll get there and, and and i and i hope you'll you'll appreciate it but i also i i want to talk briefly about persona dancing in uh starlight it's on it was on sale so i bought it for like eight dollars when it's usually thirty dollars and it's a persona 5 dancing game and it's essentially 100 fan fiction uh <laughs> and it's also uh extremely hard so like i mean first of all it's like all in first person except for the dancing bits so like when you're talking to people they're like talking directly to the camera which is like this very uncomfortable like someone wrote this and it is they wanted to talk to the women in this game (laughs) you know they didn't want it to be the facade of like having them look at an avatar or something but uh it's it's interesting i don't know how much i'm gonna play of it uh it's just like yeah i like persona music and i like a rhythm game but it's it's hard man but uh, there were two more things that I played that uh, yeah. I am pretty big fan of. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise. I actually went and purchased that because I needed something to play on my Switch, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I did. The, I I'm enjoying it a lot, and I knew I would because when Monster Hunter Generations Four Ultimate, there was like a demo of it that came out. I like played okay. it, and I was like, I can see myself really, really liking this. So playing this one, it's so fast and very action-focused, and there's so much stuff that you have to be aware of, but this game does a really good job of tutorializing everything and slowly but surely uh, throwing you deeper into the pool. So it, sure. it, it kind of still feels like I'm treading water, and I don't quite understand all the mechanics and stuff that's going on. But I'm really enjoying the combat. Um, I, I'm enjoying it, and it's a good game. Uh, I, I was thought thinking it would be a game I could just play um, like while I'm like watching a show or something like that, but I have to think too much, <laughs> which yeah, not a problem, but uh, it, it's a good one. Um, the second thing I, uh, I uh, wanted to talk about was I finally was able to play the Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origins ha. demo on the PS5. So you got, you got to kill chaos. Kill chaos. Um, first of all, uh, I, I forget if we talked about this on the E three thing, but you can download this on the PS five now. When you first, when they first announced it, it was like, and you can play it right <laughs> yes. now. Um, at the conference for Square Enix, uh, it was corrupt and didn't work. <laughs> so like, I had it yep. downloaded, and it's like, oh, there's a corruption in this file. Don't work. And I was like, well, that sucks. But they eventually fixed it. I gotta say, I like it a lot. Um. It is, uh, you know, obviously a Souls-like game with a with a much heavier oh. emphasis on action. 
So the the way the games has the these cubes which are like the bonfires that reset all the enemies and everything. Um, but the game is much quicker, and the way it works, it, it kind of makes you feel like every run you're improving your character rather than just improving your skill. Because I think the joke with Dark Souls is that you're just not good enough. Mm-hmm. In this game, it's not that you're not good enough. It's just that you're not trying the right strategy if there's a situation that you're you're unaware of. So the differences sure. are that they have these um, kind of like, uh, they call them jobs based on your weapons. So each weapon gives you a different job skill tree. And for this skill tree, uh, they have things like give you new attacks or increase your stamina or strength or whatever it is. Um, and you can actually switch between an entire job, including an entirely different like armor set and weapon set in the middle of combat by pressing triangle. And you get two of those. Yeah. So basically, I can go from being a heavy sword wielding 1200 HP tank to a uh, weak 800 HP mage by just clicking, clicking the uh, triangle button in the middle of combat. So it really gives you a lot of options. And, and each weapon, the, 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 they have a lance. They have a mace, which is like the magic. Um, they have a long sword. Uh, I think there's one other one. It just allows you to like always go about something new. So if I'm going through an area that has like 15 wolves in it and I keep dying, I'm like, maybe I should try a different weapon. Or maybe I should try my magic uh, class in order to um, maybe like try to set them afire or you know, hit them with the earth stuff mm. so the the big boss in this was you got to fight chaos and it's funny because his <laughs> name is chaos question mark <laughs> oh, <good laughs> because is it chaos is it someone else sure so like i that the boss was like really hard it was like a huge difficulty spike but it really made me understand this mechanic a lot and i probably played this demo for like two and a half hours even though it's probably like an hour oh, okay. for a good person um, because sure. I was stuck on chaos and I was like trying out all these different strategies. And again, it was better than a souls boss that you get stuck on because it wasn't that I was just bad. It was that I got to think of a different strategy to do this. So one time I went in just using my soul shield. One time I went in just using magic. One time I went in just doing whatever. And, uh, it, I, I really was surprised that once I like committed to the systems in the game, how much I liked the game and how mm-hmm. I see potential in this. This was more fun to me by far than like a Neo. This was more fun to me than um, uh, a lot of other kind of like Souls adjacent games. Um, so yeah. uh, I I was digging it. It reminded me a little bit about a more actiony based Final Fantasy VII combat system in a way. Okay. Sure. Specifically with like managing MP stuff, but uh, if you yeah. can play, if you have a PS5, uh, I would suggest trying this. Okay, I uh, I might. Is it uh, is it like as cringy as like that trailer is? With like you know, he says I want to kill chaos like five times. Like it's just so like uh, you know. Spoiler alert: Those are all the cutscenes in the demo. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so, it, but but there's not that many cutscenes uh, throughout, and like. It's that that chaos demo. That was a Final Fantasy cutscene. Like we're not. I, I'm not sitting here telling you that yeah. Final Fantasy is like a not cheesy or not whatever kind of game because that game is like one oh, of yeah. the most cheesy things ever. To me, if that 
combat system is what it is, and there's at least some kind of story, even if it's a lame story, I think that that's going to bode well for this because most people play a Souls game for the combat, for the bosses, for the, yeah. the the actual mechanics. I think more so than the story because I've tried to play Dark Souls uh, seven times at this point, and I could not tell you really other than trying to kill the thing, uh, flame bird. There's the thing. It's like uh, you gotta kill the Lord Souls. You need to collect Lord Lord Souls, I think. <laughs> and you gotta ring it- some bells in the first one. It, the the yeah. bells, one of them's at the top of a of a steeple, which makes sense. The other one's at the bottom of Blight Town by a tarantula woman. Or is she a scorpion woman? Yep. Yeah, both. Yeah, and um, that's about as far as I got. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh- <laughs> and remember, in Bloodborne, you have to eat uh, umbilical cords in order to get the true ending. So you have to eat them. So remember that. I was gonna say something. I I was gonna try and counter that with something worse that happens in another in other video games, but I don't think that exists. Uh, you have to do something gross in Resident Evil. Something probably you got to put your hand down a, the decapitate a body of a of a dude in Resident Evil Seven. Remember that? Yeah, I remember that. But I remember that part. Yeah, but at least was, you don't. Have that to was in the half of the game I didn't him. like, unlike everyone else. <laughs> Yeah, I know, you weirdo. <laughs> Play Resident Evil 8. If you, if you like that second half, then you'll like 8. Um, can we talk about Nintendo real quick? So they obviously had... We, we talked about them at length in uh, our most recent episode, uh, talking about E3 stuff. But So the amount of viewers that they had for their stream was pretty crazy. So uh, this is an, an article from gamesindustry.biz. This is by Mary DeLisandri. Uh This is titled... Nintendo Direct leads E3 2021 viewership with 3.1 million at peak. So this is just an article breaking down some of the uh, the numbers of people watching each of these streams. Uh, And this is taking into account like Twitch and YouTube and and all of that sort of stuff. So, okay, so going from the bottom to the top devolver digital had 1.1 million people watching their presentation square enix had 1.3 million ubisoft 1.4 million and then there's quite a big leap with 2.3 million people watching the xbox bethesda showcase um and then a staggering 3.1 million people watch that nintendo direct which is insane like that's a crazy amount of people it makes sense that xbox and bethesda were the big ones there and that there is such a big leap between those two and then sort of the rest of the, you know, other publishers and, and developers. But 3.1 million people watched that Nintendo Direct. That's that's a lot. <laughs> that's pretty crazy, right? Uh, yeah, and specifically it's when it is. It's not like that's a convenient time in the day for most people. Um, no, it was like... Was, was 11 it? noon? Yeah, 11, 11 a.m. for us. Yeah, on a weekday or... Yeah, is it Monday or Tuesday? It was Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, I got a, ran, a random day in the middle of the week in the afternoon. Let's uh, have 3.1 million people watch the Nintendo Direct. And I think I think that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it shows you just how many people, uh, you know, have their eyes on this stuff and care about this stuff. And for everyone who says E3 doesn't matter, it matters based on these numbers. I mean, even having yeah. uh, 1.4 million people watching your stream. Uh, for Ubisoft, like 1.3 for Square, 1.1 for Devolver. That's insane. Like, yeah. to have that, that like, anyone who tells you that E3 is not something that's worth it, 
look at these numbers. Like that, that tells you it's worth it. That means a million people got to see those three games that Devolver um, uh, talked about <laughs> in that weird ass conference. By the way, uh, listening to a lot of people talk about the E3 press conferences, so many people are telling me how much they like the Devolver conference. And I'm sorry, I want to be honest with you. I freaking hated it because it really? it was like clearly wasting my time. They do that though. Like they're they do weird stuff for their announcements and conferences and stuff. Uh if if I'm well, remembering I, correctly. I understand what you mean though. Uh because yeah, I mean it was what 30 minutes and they talked about three games for you know, four minutes can of you it. Imagine <laughs> just for like like imagine if Xbox did that. Like instead of having they had like a couple yeah, of announcements. You know, and they just had like a 30 minute press conference when they like talked about a few games or whatever of their smaller games. And then they they really didn't go into anything and they just were making fun of press conferences. And I mean, maybe that's a breath of fresh air considering the other stuff. But as someone who, you know, tried to make it an effort to watch every E3 thing this year, I was just I watched that and I was like, this, this is stupid. But, you know, I, yeah. I I'd rather it been bad than them trying mm-hmm. to make a comment on bad press conferences. Uh, you know, if, if if you're mad at me for saying that, tweet at me at Justin Matkovich. I think it's Justin Matkovich at uh, Twitter. Yeah, so I think you just sounded I'll, out. I'll, I'll be good. there for you. Yeah. And Devolver, if you want to send me free free codes, free codes, I'll I'll <laughs> I'll apologize good luck now. Good luck now. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I like, I like, I, I like a lot of the games they published. My first exposure to them was Hotline Miami, which um, those are some good games. <laughs> those two games are really good. But that's Yo, I think they have great games too. Don't get me wrong. There. But regardless of the me going off in the Devolver Conference being a waste of my time, um, those are awesome numbers, and uh, I think it yeah. shows you that uh, people love Nintendo. First of all, <laughs> um, yeah. Go on. I've, I've got some thoughts on that. And it does show you that as for as like big and backbreaking and prime time as the uh, Xbox conference is, I'm sh- I'm shocked that it's like 0.8 million less people watch Microsoft than Nintendo. I am um, okay. Okay. Here's the thing. I think this makes sense to me because of the momentum that Nintendo has had with with the release of, you know, Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, uh, Animal Crossing. Right. Those are three huge games. And obviously those are the over the course of what it's been four years since Breath of the Wild and Odyssey came out. Uh, but you've got other you've got other stuff going on. So you've got Animal Crossing and then you have um, Mario uh, Bowser's Fury. And they've basically been sort of slowly churning out all of this great stuff. Right. And so I think people are just so expectant on what's up with them. And I think as we talked about in February, people were disappointed with that Nintendo Direct um, because it was just focusing on the, you know, the first half of 2021. And now this one is the second half when some of the more hard hitting games are coming. And I think people knew that. I think people were expecting to see more of Breath of the Wild 2, which is like the only sequel to any of those big games that, you know, we just sort of mentioned. So I think people were really excited to see Breath of the Wild 2. So I, to me, it makes sense that more people are tuning in to see what's up with Nintendo than what was up with Xbox. Also, you have to imagine, like, Xbox was, what, an hour and a half versus Nintendo was mm-hmm. half an hour, which I think for, as we were talking about, like, for everyday people who were just sort of tuning into these things and watching these things, watching 30 minutes of Nintendo games versus an hour and a half of Xbox and Bethesda games, it might be a little bit different. That said, 
two point what is it two point eight million two point three million yeah two point three million for Xbox not a number to turn your nose up at all but I think that partially might explain why people are much more interested in watching that uh, Nintendo conference than anything else. Uh, and then going off, uh, there's an uh, article that came out uh, earlier this week from IGN called Japan is Xbox's fastest growing market by a Daniel Robinson and Matt Perslow. Um, and they were they basically interviewed Jeremy Hilton, who is the head of Xbox in Asia. And he said, we've okay. seen phenomenal growth within the past 12 months in Japan. And that's uh, that's new people coming into our ecosystem. That's people signing up for Game Pass. It's people buying accessories or games on PC. He then says that, uh, that there is... He also says that essentially Japan is our fastest growing market worldwide, which is huge because... Uh, Japan generally has no interest in Xbox or Microsoft from the beginning. And they also go on yeah. to say that the Series S is much more popular in Japan because I think people are realizing Game Pass friends. Game Pass is awesome. Yeah. And yeah. I, 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 as as much as a shameless Sony fanboy I am, I cannot, I cannot praise Game Pass enough. And I am not a market person. I'm a I'm a I'm a person who knows a little bit. I don't I I can I don't know how Game Pass can be a profitable <laughs> endeavor for Microsoft other than the fact that it's guaranteed cash versus the promise of cash kind of stuff. Yeah. But the money that they must be like putting into Game Pass is amazing and I I think more gamers just need to get involved and get on board with that. So in April 20 as of April 20th 2021 microsoft said that they have 23 million subscribers uh how much is does it cost to have game pass for a month uh 15 15 dollars okay so that means that every month uh, let me count these zeros one two three four five six so that means every month they're bringing in about uh, three hundred forty-five million dollars. I and my math might be wrong. I might be reading that number wrong. They didn't put any commas in that. Thanks, Google. But three hundred forty-five million dollars—that's a chunk of change every month. And then, so if you're pouring that right into those studios and into those games, like I could see how that might be a that might be exciting for Microsoft to say, okay, well, if we're bringing in all this money for this, then yeah, let's do game pass day one. Let's do all this stuff on day one, incentivizing more people to be coming in and doing that. And I think that, you know, $345 million a month do I I am, I do not have this information in front of me, but I have to imagine that even the best selling games probably aren't making a, a lot of those bigger, bigger, Microsoft first party games probably aren't going to make $345 million, right? If, if they were only being sold uh, as like physical or downloadable copies. So like, I don't know, Psychonauts 2, that seems like a pretty big one. Is that going to make $345 million? Uh, I don't know. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I, I do, but I mean, 
also the profitability of the fact that they're making deals with companies to do this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, the yeah, fact yeah. that their first party studios are all coming out day and date. So basically in that in that amount of money that also has to count for all of their first party uh, game output and everything. And I'm sure they make people who don't understand Game Pass who are still buying these games. Like I saw a deal like you could buy Gears of War 5 for $10 today or it's free on Game Pass. So like, you know, people are still pr- uh, probably buying these games. Um, but it would just be really interesting to see the the number the numbers and to know what, like what the future is going to be because I think regardless of how much money they're making, people now the the public consumer perception of Xbox and Microsoft is amazing. Like yeah, I, I think high. I think like they are at an all time high. I think people are going to be super interested in Microsoft for years to come. Uh, people are going to probably hopefully uh, subscribe to Game Pass at a uh, rate that's higher than ever. Um, I just don't understand bu- business enough to know because I know like Netflix is is like like also not so much of a profitable company, and I don't understand how that works and stuff. But subscription services can be a, a tough thing to bank um, your your future on. But again, Microsoft doesn't necessarily need to worry about a future because they have a nice little safety little safety net. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hey. Yes. Um, <laughs> hopping, hopping back to to Nintendo, if if I may. Have you seen this stuff about Breath of the Wild and what people think about like its title and uh, the sequel? I mean, the title and like some theories that are going around about this game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> people are creative, so, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I'll say this. But I want to preface by saying I'm all for theorization and getting excited for this game and games in general i'm not trying to like I, I, i'm not trying to like i don't know be a downer for any of this but some of the things people are saying i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> and I also <laughs> hey here's the thing cut this clip i could be wrong and and i will own it if i'm wrong there are plenty of things i've said on the show that i'm sure turn right around and and i'm absolutely wrong about but so the, the popular theory right now making the the rounds is that you will be playing as Ganondorf in in some capacity or or like not that like you're like literally controlling Ganon but that Link is actually Ganondorf. Uh th- thoughts? I read I read some of the Twitter thread. It's from uh one of the kind of funny guys. Um Barrett Courtney, is that his name? Mhm. Yeah, he um, did a he did a great thing uh plugging random content. He uh last year or two years ago played all of the Zelda games and then did this huge mm-hmm. like two hour video essay kind of talking about the timeline, mm-hmm. talking about the games, ranking the games. So if anyone is is versed to talk about expectations and like this timeline thing, I sure, think he would sure. be a great person for it. However, I do feel like some of the the things that people are talking about are a little bit crazy, but what specifically did he say? Um, so he was looking at, uh, there, there were a handful of things, but there was a, like, a mural in one of the trailers of Ganondorf, or it looked like Ganondorf, and then one of the outfits that Link was wearing in the the newest trailer, um, it looked like he was wearing, like, the same outfit or something. Um, th- th- there was There was more to it than that, but also he was talking about, like, in the lore, and I don't have this in front of me, I should, but in the lore... Uh, actually, let me pull this up before we talk about this. <laughs> so, in the lore of the original Breath of the Wild, there is um, 
like a tapestry showing the the legendary hero defeating Calamity Ganon, um, and with the help of of the Sheikah and, and all of that. But in the tapestry, like the image of Link or like the hero has um, it has like red hair, which is Ganon has red hair. Link is blonde and i think just about every depiction of him he's kind of a brunette in twilight princess maybe but um uh isn't it purple that in it, a link to the past or uh yeah i think it's purple is it i i do not yeah. know but um that is sort of starkly contrasted with what zelda looks like in that tapestry where zelda looks pretty much the same as she does in the game um whereas it makes link look a lot more like one of the gerudo which are the uh, which is what Ganondorf is. Um, and then in the opening to the Breath of the Wild tr- 2 trailer from E3, um, Link has, like, his arm is, uh, what's what's it called? Malice, I think, is, is what people are calling this, or maybe it's what Nintendo has come out and said this is. It's Chaos. like that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, so his his arm is is, like he's either shooting it or it's like going into him. It's sort of unclear. Uh, and then Zelda like falls backwards into like a pit and everyone's like, well, it might be that, um, link did that. And, and link is connected to Ganondorf in some way. Uh, To me, it it feels a little, it feels like a little bit of a stretch because a lot of people are also talking about how, Oh yeah. You're showing me the, his hair color in that game. Yeah. That's, that's pink for sure. That's a pixelated (laughs) pink hair. But um, a lot of people are looking at it and, and saying like, oh, there's there's time travel involved because there are two powers that he uses that make it look like he's potentially controlling time, which is, I mean, that's straight up just in the trailer, which I think is cool. But uh, if I'm remembering correctly, Breath of the Wild is at the very end of the timeline. <laughs> and not that the Zelda timeline is anything because it's complete nonsense. Um, but... It's also it's because there are three timelines going on concurrently. It is at the end of all three timelines, which is weird. So people are saying like, okay, well maybe he might be traveling back in time to do all this sort of stuff. Which cut it right now might be true, but I don't think it is because I think that's a little too complicated for a game where the main character doesn't talk. I mean, like, I know plenty of other games have done that sort of thing with with silent protagonists, but I just, to me, that seems kind of far-fetched. Uh, thoughts? Feelings? So what I think is happening is that I think with Breath of the Wild being the end of the timeline, I think there's uh, a female version of Ganondorf from a different dimension who basically has been stealing all these things to to kind of like reset time. And I think Mm. this female version of Ganondorf is going to drop all these things. And instead of it being a singular timeline, there's going to be a multiverse branch off in the timeline. Um, And then the real Ganondorf is going to have to stop the female Ganondorf uh, from, from changing the very time that we know. Now I have a question. (laughs) Yeah, what's up? I'm not I'm not entirely caught up. Is this what's happening in Loki? <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, huh. Okay, interesting. That's an interesting revelation for me as someone who's not caught up with the show, but fun. So, uh f- Hey, 
Well played. Let me just say, well played. I'll, <laughs> I'll give it to you. Uh, Loki is, I've only watched the first episode. I'm, I'm into it. Um, but Breath of the Wild. People are also citing the fact that we don't know its name because pe- they have only referred to it as like the sequel to Breath of the Wild. And they are not. It seems like because they're saying it like that, they're not calling it like Breath of the Wild 2. They're going to call it like Legend of Zelda, you know, whatever. And people are saying like, oh, it might reveal a some sort of um, some sort of detail about the game that is a big giveaway to like what it's going to be about and that they're not ready to do yet. And while I understand what they mean by that, it's not going to be called Legend of Zelda. You play as Ganondorf. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in the same way that like, if you remember, they were really secretive about like bringing it back to Marvel. They were like really secretive about Avengers Endgame for no reason. I mean, like uh, we're in the it's a reference game to, now. Yeah. And, and like Tony Stark says it earlier too, in, in one of the other ones, like, but not like a big deal. And, and uh, people have referenced like, oh, well, you know, like Ocarina of Time, like the Ocarina is such a big part of it. And sure, like I see what you mean, but I don't think that the title of the game is going to be a key piece in unlocking the mystery that is what it's actually going to be about. You, you know, Breath right. of the Wild, like it's it's that's like a theme. It's not like no one says like, well, like this is just the Breath of the Wild, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I know, I know the answer to this. I know why Nintendo is yeah. being cagey. I, I've done a lot of research. This game is going to be called The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, A Link Between Worlds. And it's going to have and? the same essential mechanic that A Link Between Worlds had, in which okay. you are going to go through portals okay. and go through different dimensions so there's going to be a world where ganon took over and then there's going to be a world where ganon didn't take over so can you imagine if you go to a portal and in a second you don't go to a world that was destroyed by by calamity ganon you go to a world that has been a prosperous perfect not the runes of hyrule civilization because there's two clear versions of link in that trailer right this is my conspiracy theory coming out right now. Okay, yeah. But there's two different versions. There's the version that has hair that looks like you. Yeah. And then there's a version that's a little bit shorter, looks a little bit more like traditional Link. There's two different Links that we see. So I think that there, the mechanic is going to be, even if they don't change much of the actual map, if they have a very similar map, but it there's two versions of that map that you can like kind mm-hmm. of like switch between. Have you ever played a Link between... Is it a link between worlds? What's the uh, what's the N six uh, Super Nintendo version? Uh, is that a link to the past? Link to the past. Sorry, link link to the past. I might have I might have messed up. My my prediction might be a link to the past. Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild two link to the past again or something like that. I don't know, but like gotcha. Because link between worlds uh, was like the three DS one. Yeah, the link between worlds was like a another take on a link to the past. Oh, got it. Okay. But that game is called Link to the Past because basically you go through these portals that takes you to an alternate version of the world that you're living in, a past and a future. Um, Just like Mm -hmm. they did with Ocarina of Time, how you have the past and the future kind of thing. So, like, you might be able to go back into a world like in... um, 
uh, Hyrule Warriors 2, that is the version before Calamity took over. Um, so you're mm-hmm. like, I, I think there are going to be t- the, the, there are going to be more than one links, but that doesn't mean that you're playing as more than one character. It's just different dimensions. So there'll be like the time when you're in like the normal and the time when you're in the the present or whatever. And I think that mm-hmm. will be a huge gameplay mechanic because maybe it's not time travel necessarily. Maybe it's just that thing that like that you switch to a different world and just think about like. Sure. I would love if there was just a reskin map of the current Breath of the Wild that I could explore on, and they don't really change much yeah. of that original world, and you could just do like the the same basic stuff. I think that's the potential, and I think that link to the past type of thing is it w- would be a, a clear spoiler in the in the title of it. But other than that, I don't yeah. know. Are they going to say uh, Breath of the Wild two um, Skyward Sword again? <laughs> you know, like I don't right. think that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I do and, think and it's going to be that 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 switch kind of thing. Sure, that that makes sense because I think it's funny you bring up Skyward Sword. I think part of the theory with Skyward Sword is as well that's the first game in the timeline, and so they uh, the theory is like, well, they want to remind people what the beginning of it looks like, so that you know now looking at this one that's in the end, they can jump around with. But it, I have I have a hard time with theorizing off of very little because you know the trailers we haven't really seen much we've seen bits and pieces but like there's nothing really substantial to go off of so at the end of the day justin you could be 100 right barrett courtney could be 100 right uh, like I'm, I'm not trying to discount anyone i just have no idea what to expect but i think that the title might not be as revealing as people are thinking it is because again i don't think it's going to be link but this time you play as ganon uh my one thought is though is link going to show up in fortnite now, Justin, you've put an image in our Discord here. And uh, yes, I mean, yes, <laughs> of course. It, it, the image you've dropped is is the Fortnite guy is Link, and it uh, it's so cursed to even look at. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense they might put him in. Kratos and Master Chief are in the other ones, are, are in it. Uh, Her- uh, Aloy is in it. Um You've sent another image. Now this sort of looks like Tingle. Oh, that's um Elf from Elf. Uh, uh I'm gonna be honest. When I sent that, I straight up thought that was Link. Link. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. That. <laughs> that's that's uh, Elf or whatever his name is from the Will Ferrell comedy Elf. Um, uh, did, weren't they? Didn't they? Weren't people thinking that Samus was gonna be in it in Fortnite, and then she wasn't? I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but like. Is I I mean I I I I uh, I think that'd be pretty cool. I don't know enough about Fortnite or Samus <laughs> to, to say actually. Really <laughs> enough. Um, but yeah, that that is that is what people people are talking about. So we uh, we left out one game that you've been playing here at the at the start of the episode. Taxes. What's that? Taxes. That's a game. Uh, have you been doing your taxes? No, I did that a couple months ago. But if I I was going to say, weren't those due a while ago? I'm I'm never quite sure on the date. It's but the last two years have made me confused as to taxes. But taxes are kind of fun. You like put in some numbers, and they are say they? this is how much money you get back. Um, and then you're like, mm-hmm. are they going to check these numbers? And then you get a little anxious, and then you have a professional look at it and be like, you can't say that. And then you're like, oh, okay. Um, how much do I actually get back? And they're like, no, you actually owe this much. And then I'm like, oh, oops taxes yeah yeah as 
I think it's weird that you have to do your own homework for the government. And if you even get it wrong a little bit, they come and arrest you and take your house. Um, I now, Justin, I wasn't a part of suckers. I don't live in a house. I live in a condo. (laughs) Well, that's a loophole, you know, and and they're going to have a hard time getting getting around that one. But like I didn't I wasn't a part of the decision making process to make that a thing. But perhaps we should have done it differently. I think a lot of, th- you know what? I think I've got a lot of ideas about how to change America to make it a little bit better that we should be doing different, but um, that's for another podcast. That's for our political podcast. I was going to try and just off the cuff come up with a name of <laughs> I'm one. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I don't think people want to hear nope. our political podcast. Nope. I mean, I, I think it would be just a sort of, I don't know. Anyway, uh, unimportant. Let's talk about video games. Uh, this was all to segue to say that I, every water time for I, an hour. Yes, both of us just afraid to say anything because we would both look dumb. <laughs> uh, I listened. I listened to Barack Obama on Conan O'Brien's podcast today. Okay, so I'm in the know. They talked a lot about politics. No, they didn't. They actually didn't talk about it basically at all. Um, but <laughs> this is a segue <laughs> to say that I've seen you playing Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Thoughts, P- Peter? Um, I now have attained platinum number twenty. Oh. Look at you. Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so yeah, Ratchet so and Clank tell, Rift Apart. Tell me all tell me Justin, tell me all about it. All right, so I'm going to talk more about the platinum at the end of this uh endeavor. Okay. But uh Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is a PS5 exclusive game um and mm-hmm. it is awesome. I love it. It's fun as hell. And I'm going to give it a critique. There are two things that you should go into this game uh, realizing and understanding. Thing one, the story is not good. Hmm. <laughs> okay. It's not bad. It's just like um, one of those things that they're, they're, they introduce a whole new cast of characters and they try to develop that cast of character story in addition to kind of like trying to work on another story but the game okay. is about 10 hours to beat, which is part of the other problem. Um, and because it's so short, you don't have enough time to really develop those characters in a way that feels like it makes sense. So mm-hmm. actually a funny connection to what we were talking about earlier is Rivet is actually played by Jennifer Hale, which yes, is of the same character as Femme Shep. Mass Effect, um, yes. So the... Uh, the way this game is kind of set up is you are uh, you are Ratchet to begin. It is Ratchet and Clank. You're fighting uh, Doctor Nefarious, uh, who is like the bad guy from the first game. And okay. uh, Nefarious's new plan is that he's so sick of losing to Ratchet and Clank, he's going to open up a dimension in which he has won and he has become the perfect, all-powerful emperor. And you, okay. Ratchet and Clank, accidentally get trapped in that dimension. And because of all the stuff Dr. Nefarious is doing, he is basically threatening to uh, make time and space unstable. That's kind of the whole setup to the game. You're in another dimension with characters that are like the alternate versions of you from a different dimension. By the way, this is really connecting to Loki in, in, as well. <laughs> like, like I feel like I understand what's happening more because I've watched Loki and they've talked about multiple dimensions to me, which I think maybe they okay. before the game, they should just be like, oh, and by the way, watch Loki. Um, Great companion piece. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so uh, that, that's how the game is set up. But basically what it does is it creates like an A and a B version of each character. So Ratchet and Rivet are like dimensional opposites of each other. So every hmm. character you know from Ratchet and Clank has an alternate dimension equivalent, right? Okay, got it. But again, 10 hours establishing all of those characters, all of their relationships, all of how they're different, you don't get much of that. And I do feel like this game, unfortunately, falls on the fact that if you're not familiar with Ratchet and Clank lore, you're going to miss out on some of the stuff and you're going to miss out on some of the connections. Full Mm, disclosure, I've only played Ratchet and Clank 2016. That's the only part of the story I'm familiar with. Um and basically, like, uh, one of the characters in that has apparently had a lot of, like, ups and downs throughout the history of Ratchet and Clank that they kind of, like, touch on at some points. But it's never really brought to you as being very clear because of that. So, problem one is the story. Characters really aren't developed. It feels rushed. And at the end, I'm kind of like, well, wait, what happened? What dimension am I in? Who's going? What What am <laughs> I? <laughs> you know, like, I was very confused at the end of this. Like, I'm like, where did we all end up? How are we still together? The second thing is that the game is pretty short. Uh, I platinum this game probably playing it 12 to 14 hours. And okay. that's, I, I want to, I want to caution the beginning of this conversation by saying a game does not have to be a an, an 40 hour game in order for it to be worth uh, purchasing, right? Like it does not, every game right, does yeah. not have to be like $40 or whatever. Um, right. And really the, the fact that this game is $70 has nothing to do with this. Uh, the game itself is pretty short, and getting the platinum was short. But there's still so much content to do in the game mm-hmm. that I feel like a good platinum makes you see a game in a way that you normally don't see it. It makes you try new weapons, try new mechanics, do new things. And because this game didn't have that, uh, and because you have to do the bare minimum to get the platinum, I feel like there's so much more game left to play. And this might be a psychological thing on my part. But like mm-hmm. I don't I, I I I'm technically got my platinum, which is my my one thing that I do to be like I can get this off my system, but there's still more game to play that should have been part of that platinum, and I want to play more of this game. And ultimately this game is a game that is so fun to play and I want to play more of, and I'm mad that the platinum made me not want to play this game more. Another playthrough sure. would have been great. When you beat the game, there was like a advanced mode or a new game plus type of mechanic. And basically, when you get in there, every weapon that you have in the original playthrough, you can get up to level five. Well, in the new game plus, mm-hmm. you can buy the weapon again for a ton of ton of currency in order to upgrade it to level 10. But like, there's no reason for me to do that other than just to play the game more. Like my my little yeah. like my my carrot about getting the platinum is gone but they could have easily just said like hey to do the platinum get all your weapons to level 10 and that would have been a that would have made the gameplay 20 hours instead of the 14 i played you know what i mean like it would have been crazy i do i do so so those would be my two critiques of it but in terms of the positives like in terms of just shooting in terms of the weapons in terms of the 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 moment to moment gameplay this game is just awesome i love exploring yeah. these worlds um i love uh trying to get all of the upgrades i love trying to upgrade my weapons and you really do feel like uh this is one of the games that the more you use a weapon the more it levels up 
So um, mm -hmm. you'll be like shooting with your pistol and the more you use that, it gets a level. And then once it gets to a new level, then you can get more upgrades for it by using this currency you find in the world called rare tanium that changes the weapon significantly. Like the pistol you have at the beginning, by the end, it shoots like, it shoots like a three pronged homing missile at enemies, whereas it just shot okay. like a regular gun at first. So significant changes to the weapons. Um, it's really cool to just shoot and go around and jump and traverse. And they do a really good job of, uh, about making the the levels uh, good for trophy hunting, they make uh, they have like good teleport systems. They have good places that like you. It, it just like shortens a map significantly to make it fun to like just go around the movement in this game. This this is clearly a company that's made a Spider Man game because they they've made they have <laughs> this like cool like um, almost like skate uh, rollerblade system that you can use with it that uh, oh, cool. you basically hold down the R1 to boost, and then I think it's like L1 or L2 that you press to like gain up speed, and eventually you get to full speed. Um, but like it just feels so fun to go around these worlds and the movement you have, the dodge mechanic you have. the it, It's just such a satisfying game to play. Um, I just wish I could play it more. Sure. I've got, I've got like a two-part question. Okay, so... I have not played any Ratchet and Clank game. So the first question is, will I enjoy this if I have not played uh, any of them? I think so, because I think the gameplay itself is the star of the game. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the fact that you are basically, the story is like oddly mostly about the Rivet character and her development. Um, Mm -hmm. If I'm tried to, if I'm trying to uh, separate the two stories, uh, Ratchet's story is about finding the other Lombaxes because uh, apparently in, in the lore of Ratchet and Clank, you are the last Lombax. So okay. his story gets interesting because you go to this other dimension and for the first time you meet another Lombax. So that's kind of cool, yeah. right? And it's whole his mm -hmm. whole thing is like, what, like, should he try to find the other Lombaxes or should he not? Then you have the Rivet storyline, um, which is kind of about her learning to be a hero and to be to work with other people. And like I know it's it's kind of the lame thing, but basically from Ratchet, she she starts to learn about the power of friendship. <laughs> okay, well yeah, but like if it works, it works, you know. Right, right, right. So what video game doesn't have that? Um, yeah. So like with the focus basically being on Rivet's development and rather than Ratchet's development as a character, um, I think you can still get stuff off of it. But I think if you I would recommend to at least play the 2016 version first, um, because first of all, the gameplay is so much better in the new version that you'll never want to go back to play the original. Um, but the that particular version gives you a very basic uh crash course in ratchet and clank because that version mm -hmm. was made when the movie was coming out and it was kind of meant to like catch you up between the movie and the game so it yeah it, its whole goal is to prepare you for the the mythos of ratchet and clank but the combat so, itself okay. uh, is so fun so you said i don't know if you said this on the podcast or just to me or maybe you said it on twitter but like exactly what you just said about like play the 2016 version first now justin i don't i don't have all the time in the world maybe to go through and play two of these games if i had to pick one to play what would you suggest i guess i guess what i'm trying to say is like 
if I played this Rift Apart and never went and played the any of the previous ones, do you think I would be missing out? Or do you think that if I play this one, it's going to make me want to go and play that first one? I think if you play this game, you'd want to play the first one. And mm, I think you okay. could play this game on its own, and I think it's worth playing uh, the game on its own. Um, I, there, there are like just certain aspects that you'll miss out on. Like, for example, yeah. the one of the characters in the original Ratchet and Clank is the uh, Captain Quark, um, which is uh, like the big green dude. Probably seen him before. Mm-hmm. Um, who he's like an up and down character throughout the whole thing. Well, basically in the uh, alternate dimension, he's become like a pirate and like his whole character thing is like, he's pretending to be a pirate robot thing. And it's just pretty okay. funny. And like there, there's a moment when the, when I, I hope this isn't a spoiler, but no, good loose spoiler. The two of them meet <laughs> okay. and like whenever you have a character meet its original character, you have th- this game does not develop the original cast whatsoever. Got Ratchet it. doesn't develop himself. Clank doesn't develop himself. The original Captain Quark doesn't develop himself. Dr. Nefarious really doesn't develop himself. None of these characters from the original one. It's mostly like learning about the new characters. So like mm-hmm. you will probably understand and appreciate 75% of the story, but like the 25% that's meant to be fan service, you probably won't like as much. Um, Got it. But I do think like if you start playing this game, the type of combat that these two the, the, these two games have are pretty similar to each other. And the difference is that the weapons are all different. So yeah, like if I could play this game again using all the weapons from Ratchet and Clank 2016, I would do it, and it would be a very yeah. different game just because of how different these weapons are. Um, I think the mm-hmm. only weapons that return are two of them. And they only return on the new game plus game mode. So it's Got not it. like you're just like using the same weapons over and over again. And I, I miss the Groovatron, which basically is a, is a thing that you use. And it basically makes your opponent stop attacking you and dance, which is awesome. That's when you're fun. fighting a boss. Yeah. Uh, that was from the original <laughs> one. So you don't have that kind of stuff. But uh, the weapons themselves make the games very different from each other. And I really enjoyed, like, my goal with this is by the end of my first playthrough, I wanted all my weapons to be level five as as far as I could Mm -hmm. go. So by the end of the game, I was using weapons that I normally wouldn't use just for the fact that I wanted to level them up and stuff. So I I think you could get, get, you would enjoy playing this game. Um, I just don't know if you would get as much as you could out of it. And I think the ideal sure. path would to be to go through the 10 hours of Ratchet and Clank 2016 and then go through the 10 hours of the Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Mm-hmm. Okay, because here's, here's the thing. Uh, as I've, I'm sure I've said on this podcast, this doesn't, this one has not grabbed me really at all, just because Ratchet and Clank doesn't really grab me in any significant way. However, the cool part to me is the use of the PS5's hardware and to, like the new technology that's being showcased in this, because a lot of people have said like, yo, the other PS5 exclusives have been good, but Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is what you bought a PS5 for. Does that make sense? And like, to me, that makes me want to play it, not necessarily for the story, although from what I've heard and from what you've said, like the story is serviceable, it's good, it's fine. Um, but you're saying, you know, the moment to moment gameplay is great. And I'm, I guess I'm just trying to weigh like 
do I want to play 10 hours of a game that I don't maybe necessarily care about to get to a game that, while if the story is good, that's a plus, the thing I actually care about is actually seeing what's on display in terms of the actual use of the hardware. All right, blanket blanket statement here. This might be controversial. Yeah. Uh, I, I think a good comparison to this game is Returnal. I know people okay. are, are, are are shouting at me. If Returnal is a game that scared you because of the the nature of the roguelike combat and everything like that, um, then I would strongly recommend playing Ratchet and Clank. If you mm-hmm. want a game that's a more quote unquote hardcore game, then I would go and I would play Returnal in terms of like the fact that that game is uh, much more skill based, much more precise, much more like. Uh, hard <laughs> and right yeah and Ratchet and Clank, there is there are there are more like difficulty settings that you could have to make it actually hard that do change up the the gameplay enough but uh i think returnal the reason i compare these games is because both of them do show off playstation 5 pretty well specifically show off the dual sense pretty well returnal mm-hmm. i think uses the dual sense better than Ratchet and Clank. okay but they both use them well. So, for example, um, one of the, there, there's this club nefarious that you have to go through in like the first level of Rift Apart, mm-hmm. and it's like a nightclub, and there is this like crazy music playing. And th- then I'm like feeling my controller, and I'm like, "What's going on with this controller?" And the controller was vibrating as if it was the bass for the music. That's awesome. Which was just such a subtle thing that makes it so mm-hmm. awesome. Um, I, I am just very impressed by something like the DualSense because the DualSense is one of those things that it never like stands out as a pro to me in the moment because it just is so yeah. natural to what you're doing. It's just like kind of like uh, Microsoft with its like the decision to... Um, like how people like yell at Sony for not having like the the X Cloud stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. we we don't necessarily praise Microsoft to the level they should do. Like I I I never praise the Dual Sense, but I can comment when I'm missing it out. And the reason yeah. I say that is because I played Rift Apart and then I played the the Final Fantasy Origins demo, and I was like, God, if this controller doesn't feel that great. <laughs> <laughs> like, mm. like I don't feel like I'm like attacking and hitting and making the same kind of the feeling that I'm feeling when I'm playing Rift Apart. Um, but um, I think in Returnal, like how you have like a lot of guns that have like the two trigger thing with the adapter triggers, yeah. they have similar things to that in Rift Apart. It just doesn't feel as good to me. Sure, but uh, I definitely think it's a good showcase of the Dual Sense. Graphically, I played this game um, with performance mode ray tracing. So they had a 60 frames per second performance mode, a 60 frame per second performance mode with ray tracing, and then they had a graphics mode. I played it with the ray tracing one. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. If I'm going to grade this game and how it ran out of 10 probably like a six or a seven. There Mm. were a lot of times when the game would chug. 
there was a lot of times when there would be some weird, just like uh, like cra- like hard crashes. I, I I've never had a hard oh, really? crash. Well, I, I forgot Cyberpunk. Never mind. With the exception of Cyberpunk, I've never had as frequent performance issues uh, in a game as I've had with Rift Apart. I've had hard hmm. crashes, uh, freezing, um, slow down, stuttering, falling through the map, hitting r- random invisible walls and stuff like that. I've had a lot mm. of those issues. Um, it never took me out of the gameplay experience, but it was noticeable that I was like, well, it sucks that I'm shoot- shooting these, like, all these, like, things at once. And you could tell that it wasn't just, like, an artistic slowdown. It was like, there's too many things on screen right now for it to, yeah. to run properly. Um, and uh, I, I haven't played Returnal as much as you, clearly, but I didn't have those issues in Returnal, did you? Mm, not that I remember. And and even if I did, like, uh, n- nothing notable enough to, like, say that it's happened frequently enough to mention it when I'm talking about the game. Yeah. So there are some of those issues that I had with it. So don't think it's a perfect game by any means. But ultimately, should you play it? Yeah, definitely. I okay. would. It is hard for me to recommend you buying this game. Not, I don't want to. I'm not specifying $70. But at full price, though, if you are not hugely into uh ratchet and clank and if you don't have anything else to play like it i i was disappointed that i couldn't play this game for 25 hours Mm -hmm. yeah and um it would have been really easy to do that just changing the trophy list slightly um and again that might be on me because like i can't like you can motivate yourself to keep playing a game obviously um right it's not like it kicked you out they have this uh, this, this uh, kind of like cup. They have a, of a bronze, a, a silver, and a gold cup that have just different challenges in it. And I really hope that that is something that they continue to do. They force you to use weapons you don't like. They put you in weird situations. If they could do like monthly updates and stuff like that to keep, keep you coming back in, that might be something fun to do. But um, ultimately, I don't really have a reason to keep playing it at this point. Uh, and mm. I'm upset by that. <laughs> and not because the game yeah, is I know bad. I just want to play it more, and I think that's a good thing to be upset by. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I've been I've been really debating about it, uh, just because I'm doing Mass Effect, and there are other things that like I should be playing. Like I want to finish Final Fantasy VII remake, and um, there's a handful of other stuff. But the idea, because here's the thing, and and perhaps we've talked about this. I am personally a fan of the short game. I'm a fan of a tailored experience that does what it needs to do in the time that it, it, you know, in a relatively short amount of time and then gets out a lot of those single player story driven experiences are that way where the story isn't like 20 hours long. It's, you know, 10, but to do, to, to clean up everything else, you got another four to five. I'm a fan of that. I do think, you know, and this is just the debate that's been raging on since this started happening. $70 for me, that's kind of a steep price for that, but if it is as good as it seems like everyone is saying it is, that might be doable. I, I don't know if it's going to be the kind of thing that I buy right now, but it's the kind of thing that I think I want to play before the end of the year. So I might hold off for another month or two to see if maybe, you know, I get it five or 10% off and then dip in. And, and that's why my recommendation would be for anyone who is a little bit unsure about this game to see if this is something they would like. Play mm-hmm. the 2016 version. If you have PlayStation okay. Plus, 
Um, you, you, I believe it's on the the PlayStation Plus for PS Five, the the, the yeah, games collection. The PS Plus collection. It was also free a couple months ago if you pick that up too. Um, and if you like that game, and you are saying like, uh, I just wish it was updated a little bit to to not have like these old gameplay mechanics and stuff like that. Rift Apart is perfect for you. And if you don't like it. Um, for the reason that I don't really find this combat of switching weapons and doing this stuff kind of fun, uh, then I think that would be a, g- a good like litmus test for you to see if this is something that that is the the right uh, game for you. Even if you just play Ratchet, I think Ratchet and Clank always really starts to come together uh, right before the end of the game when you have all the weapons they're upgraded, mm-hmm. and then you're put into these combat arenas where it's like survive with the weapons that you have, and then you get really creative like when you're down your last bits of ammo and you're using like a gun you never used before, um, and it's just so quick and so fun. Uh, I I really would recommend to you to play the original one first. Now, the game length, too. I prefer shorter games, too. And I want to be clear. I'm not upset with the campaign length. I'm upset with the platinum length. And I know that seems like backwards because a lot of people want, like, easy platinums. I just want to play the game more. And I thought the platinum could have enhanced my experience playing it. Unfortunately, I'm done with it now. And it's sitting there taking up uh, uh, gigabytes on my very small um, but still bigger than my original PlayStation 4 hard drive. Uh, so yeah. I'm going to probably delete it sooner rather than later. Got it. Okay. I um, I appreciate all that you said because, again, I, I'm interested in playing it. I just don't know if I'm, I need to be doing it right now. And it sounds like I don't. And I might – what I might do is I might start up that first Ratchet – not first one, but the 2016 Ratchet and Clank and, like, get a little ways into it and from there be like, do I want more of this? And and that's might be how I try and make that decision as, as well. So well, I I will be interested to see when I, I dip into this. It, so question for you: We talked about this last week, uh, or maybe the week before. Uh, is the do you think this would be on like a top ten list? Better or worse than the medium? I guess is what I mean. Yeah, uh, better. I mean, I, I uh, I'd have to pull up all the games I played this year. Um, I mm. probably enjoyed this game the most so far this year. Okay. Ask me today, probably be my game of the year. Okay, gotcha. And and I don't, unfortunately, that does not speak so much to the game. I think it speaks more to the other games I played this year. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that yeah, that makes sense. So interesting. I will um I will be interested to potentially check that out in the the coming months here. I think I think I think a good a good comparison would be what I feel about Resident Evil Eight. Like I will oh, play okay. it. I just don't know if I'm going to play it like ah. now at full price. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Totally get it. I but totally get it. If I go to the library this week and it's sitting there, sure. I I I know what you mean. I don't know if how. Try to think. Maybe I could get Ratchet and Clank from the library, but I don't know at what point they get new games. I was sho- I, mean, I was shocked. Resident Evil Village was there uh, like two weeks ago. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So, you know, who knows? It might be. So I might have to, uh, that might be actually how I try it out because I think that was a, is a safer bet, but we'll, we'll have to see. Well, you can get game pass that it's on game pass, isn't it? Uh, Justin. No, no. Is sunset overdrive on game pass? That's insomniac. That's basically mm. a Spider-Man game, isn't it? I own it. Mm. 
Yeah, it's an Insomniac game. Oh. I, I, it might be on Game Pass. I remember I, I, it was a game for gold like years ago. And oh, okay. I, I picked it up. But I think it is on Game Pass, and I do want to play that, I think. It looks like, well, I've played Spider-Man, and uh, I like that. And I haven't played Ratchet & Clank, but it looks like Spider-Man meets Ratchet & Clank, which I think could be kind of cool. So so we we jury's out on that one. But aren't they like, I don't know. I, I feel like I read this a few weeks ago that um, something about the patent for the Sunset Overdrive name has been given back to Insomniac, so it might not be an exclusive Insomniac. anymore. And they're, uh, they're on fire right now, though. They really are with Spider-Man and now this and then, you know whatever else is to come so who we, we we shall see i think their next few games are going to be cementing them as one of those like top tier uh sony exclusive studios but who knows hey listen you know from zelda uh if i'm hey, obvious i would say this yeah i would say hey listen thanks for listening to our podcast episode 47 of hitbox a podcast for the gamers, maybe. Um, uh, <laughs> if you if you are interested, you know, here's the thing. I'm interested in if anyone else has played Ratchet and Clank. I'm interested in what their thoughts are. I'm interested in theories about Breath of the Wild too. Um, I lo- let's get wacky. I think I think it's fun to be wacky about this sort of thing and then see how weird Nintendo gets with it because they they typically play things a little bit safer. But I don't know. Majora's Mask is weird, and that is my favorite Zelda game. So who knows, but uh, you can let us know. You can tweet at us or message us on Twitter at hitbox pod, or you can send us an email at hitbox official podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow the show on Spotify and iTunes or leave a review there. And then the most important thing you could do if you are feeling so inclined and enjoying our show is tell a friend about it, you know, sit down with them, listen to it with them stare them in their eyes memorize the first you know few minutes of the show and whisper it to them while while looking into their eyes i think that might be sort of a special experience and it's one that have happened to me i certainly wouldn't forget would i check out the podcast who knows (laughs) but um i wouldn't forget about it ever and i would probably tell other people that that happened so you know maybe you could do some sort of viral marketing in that way um that sort of got away from me a little bit what i'm trying to say is Thanks for listening. <laughs> That's where you can find us. Justin, do you have anything else to add here as we uh, close everything up? Um, uh, I am so excited for the future video games, and I uh, uh, I think I need to find something to play again. So if you got any ideas, let me know. There's this game that I heard has like a pretty long platinum. If you're interested, um, it's called Near Replicant Version 1.22, and then a bunch of other numbers. It's basically like. Um, Remember Nier Automata? It's like that, but older. It's a good one. But also newer. Uh, so if you're looking for a platinum to take up your time, you could try that out. <laughs> like take 60 hours or something? Yeah, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Put that yeah, on the list. Yeah, yeah, easy, right? Easy. Uh, it'll make you love the game more than you already did. But um, <laughs> hey, thanks thanks for joining us. We, we really do appreciate it. We will catch you next week. Always remember, old games are old. See you later. Bye.
I'll stop recording. <laughs>